Today I'm talking with Chloe Hook and she is a friend of mine who went to university with me in, in Manchester and we're going to have a wee chat today about um, just living as a creative um, in the world today. She is an author and um, a teacher as well and she's recently published a book called Too Dark to See which I've been reading actually over the past couple of days and I haven't been able to put down. <laughs> so it's really nice to finally read the book Chloe and thank you for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. It's lovely to speak to you Margaret. Excited to be here, thank you. I was trying to get to the end of the book and I just, just ran out of time. I was sitting there this afternoon and I was just lying on the couch and taking some time to read it and it was just really, um, really amazing. So it must have been quite a, a journey to to write the book because I'm trying to write a book and um, I don't seem to find the time. Um, I did some when I was in Italy. I started when I was on a retreat in Italy. I did loads actually because I'd set that time aside. And... Um, and now I've just got back to reality and seem to have stopped. So how did you manage to find the time? So um, it was quite a long process for me. Uh, I did do, um, after we'd been at university together, I went and did an MA in creative writing. And I had an idea for, uh, well, lots of ideas, as you do. Um, but I did want to write a novel. So I did have some ideas then, but it wasn't, it wasn't the way it's turned out now. And that was over 20 years ago. But it wasn't until about 10 years later when I actually found the time. um, And that was due to illness, actually, that um, I found the time where I stopped. Everything had stopped, all the kind of real life things, you know, having to make money and and so on. And I actually found the time to write it. And it was over a period of about six months that I wrote the the draft story. Um, And then... You know, I'd go back to it, something would happen and get in my way. And then I would go back to it um, a few months later. Um, And then it kind of got into the form that is now. uh, And then I started sending it out. So I'd say it took me about two or three years all in all to write, you know, the the book that you've got um, in front of you. Um, And that's before it got taken up by the publishers. And then there's the editing process as well. So that, that took time on top of that, you know. Um, so I don't I don't know how some people do it I mean some people are very you know they can just kind of like create great books in six months and they're very focused and I don't think it's that my focus isn't good I think it's that um, other things just seem to distract me and I've always found it difficult to kind of make it the priority that it should be in my life that makes sense. Familiar story, maybe, for, for a lot of people. Um, and I wonder, you'd actually mentioned um, this this book when we were, we were speaking earlier, um, Tilly Olson's book, Silences. Now, I ordered the book, but it hasn't arrived, so I haven't actually read it. But I, I was reading online. I thought, well, I'll just read online a little bit about it. I was just in, absolutely intrigued by it now obviously it's an older book do you want to just tell us a little bit about it so yeah I came across Tilly Olsen's book Silences which was published oh god in the 70s or 80s I think Uh, I came across it when I was at university and I was really blown away by by it because she talks a lot about uh, women writers and black writers and how we haven't heard their stories and the women writers who we have heard their stories have had to kind of cope with maybe a lot of things that uh, maybe men, male writers haven't had to cope with. 
So she was talking particularly about late 19th century, early 20th century writers, and I suppose up until you know mid mid 1950s, 60s, uh, when she was you know when she was writing these ideas down. But I do think a lot of it is still relevant today. So she talks a lot about um, how women writers in the past have had other roles that they've had to fulfil and that those roles have always taken precedence. So the role of motherhood, the role of partner, and usually in a, you know, a heterosexual relationship, um, and that how society has valued those roles more than seeing a woman as a writer as of value. And it's funny because, you know, like I say, and you mentioned it is quite an old book, but it's it's resonated with me all through my life because I still think that there are grains of truth in that experience for us today. So for myself, I became a mother and that created a silence for me in terms of my creative output because I was busy, you know, breastfeeding. I was busy kind of looking after the children when they were very young. And then I got more time to myself when they went back to school and I was able to do some more writing then. But the the role of mother became the main priority and the writing had to fit around that. And I think with with men, I think it's less gendered now, this idea of silences. I think that men suffer silences as well. And, you know, we have a lot of men who take that primary care role in, in a family. So, you know, probably suffer that interruption to their creative output as well but i still think women suffer that more because i think that they tend to be you know more often the primary primary care carers for young children and you know however much we frame it it does interrupt our creative output and obviously you're a mother as well margaret so i don't i don't know if it's it's been similar for you that experience it's actually a conversation i've wanted to have for a long time Um, but I think it's kind of feels a little bit tricky now um, when you start talking about male roles and female roles it feels this seems to be a little bit of a you've got to be very careful what you say I don't know whether that's just me but I've approached a few um, women photographers and they haven't wanted to have that conversation because well somebody's always going to object (laughs) but I think it's just opinion what we have is our our opinions and, and our experiences and from my experience and and in my opinion, I absolutely agree with Tilly Olson and what you're saying there. Mm. Just from yeah, from experience that it's maybe not just being a mother, but it's also being a mother, well, a single parent for me, and also a financial obstacle. So when you put those three things together, you're at the bottom of the heap. The reality is that as a single parent with no, well, okay, with no money. So um, I found myself uh, 10, no, 12, no, a little bit longer, 13 years ago without my home. So we were we were literally had zero in the bank and having to move into a rented accommodation. But you're also a single parent trying to bring up two children who are just at primary school and with no family around and no childcare. So if you compare that to somebody who has maybe, you know, a financially stable life, so they have they don't have to worry about paying anything. They they maybe have family around them or a husband that takes them. So the opportunity 
the time for creativity is it's it's night and day and that is that is fact so um for me it was quite a harsh reality for a very long time and had to fight for every moment to be creative even to just go to the beach (laughs) and that was that was like how do I do this um okay I have to get childcare in you have to pay for that childcare um and then just to get to the beach to shoot one day you know so and also on top of that how are we going to make ends meet? So I'm probably, I'm working every moment to make ends meet. So when you put all that together, there's a fairly strong argument, isn't there? Well, I think you put it really strongly, don't you, that it's that kind of the primary caregiver. I think I think nowadays, you know, Tilly Olsen was, you know, 40, 45 years ago when that came out. But mm. I, I think that it is less gendered. I think men have experiences where they have silences too. I think it happens to all different kinds of people where they have these interruptions to their creative flow um, and you know financial reasons is is one that you know that kind of affects a lot of people doesn't it um another another big one for me has been health issues and again you know health issues can can be nigh to anybody can't they um but for me that's been a real struggle um to kind of manage manage with with low um low mood low uh, energy levels but yet still have this strong urge to a desire to create and to know that you know that's really important to you so um i suffered with chronic fatigue um i was diagnosed in 2004 and my energy levels have you know i've struggled on and off with energy levels ever since really and um, but i've also suffered with low mood um, and at times my creativity can help my mood but um, you know as anyone who's kind of suffered depression knows you can get into this kind of blank state can't you where you know you just feel numb and there's nothing there's no output or no input and that can be a very difficult time to create so yeah I think there's lots of different ways that silences can affect creative people you know whether it's childcare or financial or health-wise as well what do you think have you ever had any um, health health issues plenty several <laughs> I was, I know recently didn't you 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 had a bad bad bout of covid margaret didn't you that um, you really struggled with for quite a long time yeah but i think that was also symptomatic of my general state of health um because i do think that's that, that long covid is it's a post viral syndrome and, and when you were, when you're looking at this the the statistics on it there was a hell of a lot of women um in the same sort of age range as me who were who had this this post viral i think there's a susceptibility to this so when when i to 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 rewind a little bit when i um first got divorced it was such a stressful situation like and also a long lead-in period of stress that had built up and a long lead-in of not taking care of myself this is probably familiar to a lot of people where you lose yourself to caregiving for your family so again we're coming back to Mm. that um it's not not creating a great picture of being a mother is it but but there's you know there's positives as well but we're talking about the 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 lead up to to my divorce I I'd given up everything to um look after my children and not 
nurture myself. This is very common. A lot of people mm. will be nodding at this point. And so when that divorce finally happened, this intense stress and this trauma almost, because it was very traumatic, tumbled me into this kind of um, well, chronic migraine started. So that was eight years of chronic migraines, but also I would say chronic fatigue kicked in as well at that point. So yeah. I think that it's a common story. So you're talking about that this a similar kind of pattern. I think the caregiving and the responsibility um and the the sort of susceptibility of a type of person which can be in I, I've noticed that the type of person that can be sensitive, um you know, highly sensitive people, um, that they're kind of prone to these kind of things. So I seem to struggle on daily with with an X amount of problems. <laughs> you just pick one on a on a daily basis. I've just had a little sleep, so so I could, I I want to feel I want to feel like my brain's awake, and I want to feel like when I'm doing this sort of thing, um, that I yeah I'm at my best. So I I need a little bit of a um I have a lunchtime nap if I can. Yeah, so that's a daily thing. I just learned to live with it, and um, comes from a period of losing myself to caregiving. So we're coming back to that thing about being being a mother and I'm, I'm not saying that fathers don't suffer from this I but I think um they if they were the primary caregiver we're not we're not I'm not I don't think it's necessarily a male female thing I think men can also suffer but I think it's the primary caregiver that holds that burden I don't know maybe not I don't know what do you think tell me definitely I think when they're young um, I think it does fall more to mothers, but like you say, there are you know there are some amazing fathers who are who are holding that burden as well. And perhaps you're right. Perhaps it is something to do with kind of the creative, sensitive soul. Maybe we do kind of like feel these things more. I think there is a lot to do with you know like nowadays in in 2022 where we see people you know creative people and we see their amazing images like yourself. You know, we see their amazing output, but we don't actually realise what it's taken to get there um, unless we dig, you know, unless we kind of like speak to them or, or you know, find out a little bit more about them. Um, and I think it's really refreshing to hear, though obviously sad, it's, you know, it's not great that you, you struggle and that you suffer, but I think it's really good that people talk about it, don't you? Because I think if we talk about it, then people can be more honest about it and, um I don't I don't really know what the answers are but I I guess I guess knowing that that struggle is part of this process of you know trying to create and maybe maybe it'll stop people giving up because I think some people give up don't they they give up and they go I can't do it I'm not good enough I'm not like those people on the internet who are producing such amazing work um because you know I've I can't because I'm too tired because I've been looking after my children or or even you know like I looked at I I looked after I was a carer for my dad for a year like full time for a year because he died of dementia in 2016 and, and before that I was kind of part-time emotional caregiver for well for an awful long time so you know there's other roles isn't there it's not just it's not just children that kind of draw us into that kind of desire and and want to care for our loved ones, but also kind of takes our energy and, and means we have to kind of compromise with things. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, caring in any form, I suppose, is what you're saying. I haven't had that experience. I've been lucky enough not to not to have experienced that. So, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it's a caring role, isn't it? And when you're outputting all the time, mm. it's, well, well, how do you find the, the time in the day? Um, and how do you find the energy as well, I suppose? Yet you know that it gives you energy to do it. So It does, yeah, yeah, definitely. Have you got any tips, Margaret? Because I, I sometimes look at you and I think that you've, you know, you've cracked it. Yeah, I do feel like you've kind of cracked. I know you've had such struggles. Um, but I do think you're kind of, you do seem to have really turned a corner in the last couple of years in terms of managing your output and kind of really being able to put your energy into your work, which is amazing, you know. Um, any tips would be great. Yeah, I think it's it's been a long process for me, actually. And it, it, it definitely started um, quite a long time ago when I started to, to realise I needed to pr- do whatever I needed to do to prioritise that time out by myself and to do it regardless of feeling guilty at leaving the children. <laughs> so I'll, I'll yeah. emphasise that again <laughs> um, because that that guilt, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that guilt mm-hmm. is always there. When they were younger, it was, it was terrible. So, I, and I don't know whether it's self-imposed because I think sometimes it is self-imposed um, because well nobody's actually saying you're you're a rubbish mother because you're going off to the beach for two days to to do the work that you love doing and um nobody's saying that but you you often say it to yourself don't you (laughs) and actually we had a lovely interesting conversation in my membership group one night at talking about how do you take time how do you find the time to go and do this this work as a busy person or as a you know and there was a a lot of women in my group and some of them are maybe now just retired or they're you know they're fairly there's a couple of ladies that were fairly comfortable and she was saying well actually my husband's telling me to go but I'm feeling that I should be home doing the ironing and cooking and she's like and I don't know why I'm feeling that because everyone else is so even when you get to the point where actually your children aren't there anymore and your partner's supportive and you find you could go off by yourself that that kind of you still have that in your head that actually I should be doing this it's this it's this should yeah yeah like a rigid internal kind of um kind of guilt yeah that's really fascinating where does it come from I was reading a book by Lisa Ballou I did a little podcast on it about um saying that we're so programmed to look after as children, as girls, she said as young girls, it was her that said it, <laughs> young girls were programmed to look after the, the the needs and wants of everybody else. And by the time it comes to our own, doing our own thing, we're just knackered, we're exhausted. Um, and I think that there is, yeah, there, there isn't, there must be an element of that when we're younger, that that's what we see. And, maybe, and hopefully that's changing now. I, I'm sure that's changing. And I sort of feel it's in, yeah, I feel it's important to be one of the people that is out there showing people that you actually, you know what, as a mother, as a as a as a woman, it's okay to go off travelling alone for a week if you if you have purpose and intent and it's for your creativity. Not if you're just gonna go to Ibiza and have a drink and you know, which which probably isn't encouraged, but but it, you know, if you have something that you really want to do and you need to go and do a writing retreat because you've you're a brilliant author. And thank goodness you took the time to write that book because, you know, we have to remember that the world needs this. We, we need to hear 
women and men who have things to, to give and um, important pieces of writing, important art. Um, I'm, I'm going on a roll there a little bit, but the, the question was, I know what you're asking, how do you do it? And I think for me, the answer was always, and it's very, very simple. If you ask, um, if you ask yourself, well, do you know, I, I want to go and do this for a couple of days. All this is set up uh, and it's OK to go and do it. I'm feeling guilty. Just go and do it anyway. Do it. Do it despite feeling guilty. You're never going to get rid of it. <laughs> the more you do it. Yeah. Do it despite. Just do it um, and do it consciously um, whilst, you know, feeling that, but override it and realize it's important for you because your well-being and your your well-being is so important to your family yeah but it's not always easy is it I and mean, you're in a place where your children are still a little bit younger um so do you think that you could find you know the the time or the energy to to you know create carve that out i think um, over the last few years i do feel i'm getting more balanced I'm yeah I'm the main breadwinner as well I'm not I'm not a single parent like yourself but I am the main breadwinner so I have I have kind of put my foot down about what we actually really need um, in terms of material kind of possessions and um, we don't need fancy holidays you know we don't need like a nice new car to, to enjoy life and to have kind of you know a fruitful purposeful time here and I think being able to put my foot down about things has really helped me to be able to channel my energy more into what I want to do. And so I go part-time, part-time teacher now, um, which means I can devote more time to my writing. And I'm starting to um, just see it more as, you know, as a, as a have to rather than a, than a, uh, you know, a could do sort of task. Um, And just, yeah, making sure I'm just more assertive um, about that time and yeah I'm still working on the guilt but it's it's good it's good to hear what you're saying there about you know you feel the guilt but you continue anyway and um and that actually it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing to do that you know that's what that's what I need to do I found it really interesting what you were saying about the material material things and you actually hit the nail on the head as to one of the things that I've done for a very long time and that is yeah realize what what we don't need um and um that that sort of lessens the the grip financially so then you 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 gain time don't you and you also find a sort of certain happiness and you know i think that's really important isn't it and and to to think consciously about what you your yeah what you're buying and where you're going and uh, you know it's different if you have enough finances to to cover that but but i think it's a very important part of um becoming um happy and content actually not not needing this these material possessions because we were taught i was talking with my partner last night actually about um what people do um and how we have purpose and the people that don't have purpose or creativity and i said well and because he goes out to his workshop and does his thing and i'm sitting creating whatever i'm always creating something and I was saying, what do people do? And they said, well, they watch telly. And I said, oh, they go shopping. <laughs> because you're filling, you're just trying to fill fill a hole. This is probably slightly off topic, but you're trying to fill a hole of, um, we all need to be, feel like we've got a purpose and we all need to create something, I think. And um, we were also talking 
probably slightly related, probably slightly off topic. I was I was talking about depression and um, I said to him, well, do you, do you know if I said, what's the opposite of depression? What would you say? And he said, well, happiness. And I said, well, no, it's not. It's it's purpose. And if we don't have purpose, then people just buy stuff. <laughs> so it's quite a common thing. That's quite a simplistic thing too. Yeah, it's probably another podcast there. But um, yeah, so if we remove that need to to fill our lives with stuff, then um, we become happy. And if we can, we can, all I ever spend my money on are my trips, my trips to go and create. That is it. That's where my focus is. And we have more energy then, don't we? And we have more time. And then we can put that into what really makes us, you know, like you say, really gives us purpose. Yes. Yeah. It's funny because I used to be full time. And um, I found that actually what we spend the extra money on was things that um, were helping us because I was so exhausted. So, for example, ready meals um, rather than cooking ourselves. And so the extra money was going on things that we, you know, were, were literally just kind of like propping me up to keep us going. And what was the point, you know? And I got to a point where I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to retire. <laughs> I'm going to retire as a young woman and do what I really want to do now. Um, and some people at work sometimes tease me because they say, oh, you're already partly retired because I'm, you know, I'm only doing kind of part-time hours. But why wait until you retire to do the things that you really want to do? You know, we, we're finite, aren't we, Margaret? We only live for a certain amount of years. And I think what's, what's so important is that we make the time for what's so so valuable to us now. And like you say, it's it's purpose, isn't it? It's creating and um, and making that that time to do that in our lives. Yeah, and retire. I think when you say retire, retiring means oh, we can, we can create loads of work. <laughs> create you. You can write. I can write and and photograph and whatever it is. But it, we have that that gift, that opportunity of time. Um, and I suppose that was the question, wasn't it, at the beginning? Uh, uh, how do we? What? Why are some people are some people disadvantaged? And I think when you're time poor, you're disadvantaged, aren't you? There's um there was a quote that I I I looked at I think it was from Amazon somewhere, and it says about this this Telly Olson's book, um, Olson requires that we come to terms with the blankness we confront in literary history when we look for writing by women, working people, and people of color. Are the pages blank because these groups are silenced by circumstances, because they never came to the point at which there was literacy, leisure, space and energy to write in the first place? Or are the pages blank because society erased their words through rejection, dismissal or devaluation? I think the first. I think that these people never had the space, leisure and energy to write in the first place. <laughs> well, it is now anyway. Maybe back then it was different. Yeah, maybe it was maybe back then it was it was you know different times. I would personally love to see you write more. I think your book. I'm where am I? I am halfway through. And I'm, no, I did. I read quite a lot this afternoon, and I was really quite happily reading. It's it's, it's very important. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about it? The, the book. Okay, so um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a um, it's fiction, and it. It uh, follows a young uh, woman, a 16-year-old girl called Kay, who has uh, lost her mother to cancer and kind of goes on a mission 
of self-destruction. Her family moved, she just lived with her father, and her and her father moved uh, to quite a remote little um, uh, hamlet in the middle of nowhere. Um, and she, she meets this boy, so it's kind of part romance, part kind of coming-of-age novel. And uh, it's the landscape as well that kind of really draws her in. And through the landscape and through her new friendship, she manages to kind of revalue her life, find a way through. I have written more since. I've written a couple of uh, novels for children. Um, and I've also written some short stories. So my output is steady. But yeah, I think I think there could be more. I think... One thing I find difficult is the marketing of it mm. and the promotion side. I find that's quite um, energy time consuming uh, with, you know, social media and so on. So, yeah, I'm not the best at that either. So that's something for me to work on too. Yeah, that's time, isn't it? It's just time and, and energy again, isn't it? It's <laughs> like another job. <laughs> yeah, time and energy, yes. Of course, uh, Chloe wrote the words for my Still Waters book, so I think I know a lot of a lot of you have already um, purchased that book and um, will have, have read the words. So it was a really nice collaboration um, between the two of us, and the words are just yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it so much. It's nice to see it in print, isn't it? It's gorgeous book. Yeah, the the book that I'm reading now, um, Two Dots. See, I I'm enjoying it, and I think it's it. It's one of those things when I say it's important because it's, you know, it's it's helping with 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 grief, isn't it? And then sort of it's, it's deeper than it's not just a romance. Yeah, yeah it's a very deep book. And um, I think it's important. That's why I'm saying some things are some things are as artists, the world needs them. You know, we need we need people to hear people's voices in this world. And um, yours is one. So I hope that you can find more time. Um, and energy to 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 keep to keep going and to carve out those spaces and there's there's lots of there's lots of other things to do with with that that kind of um when you you're thinking about trying to 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 find the time and that, that's to one of the things is um that sometimes help me is to to set to set a space have a space set um it's maybe slightly different as a writer i don't know i but i've always done that i always go okay that's my place where I, whatever it is, where I write. So I've got a little bureau upstairs in my bedroom. And if I want to, to write, I go to that place and it puts me in that zone and it takes me away from all the housework that sort of goes, you know, can distract you otherwise. That's, that's my bit up there. Um, the big one for me is going off by myself, obviously. But I do have to say that my children left home two weeks ago and it's night and day it's it's life has changed overnight um and i've realized yeah it's like uh, i didn't know what to expect i it's been yeah it's life changing it's made me realize how easy it is to just live with just yourself <laughs> and it's like well i can go into the kitchen and the only dishes that are there are mine <laughs> and it's and it's very simple <laughs> yeah so I think the world opens up again when when they're self sufficient and they're off. Um, so I do think that t- that times change, and for me, I think we'll be seeing a, a huge amount of creativity from me now because my my time has just completely changed. Um, so it's it's all yeah. it's about seasons in your life a little bit as well, and you know, I, I hopefully hopefully that kind of bit more rest time now and a bit more healing and a bit more energy maybe um, I've started working with um 
a friend of mine who is a nutrition and fitness um, amazing lady. I met her on an online course. So, uh, so part of the, 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 you know, the more time that I've got, I'm reclaiming that. <laughs> I'm working with her to try and get back to a little bit more. Well, I'm just trying to see whether I can get more energy back and um, maybe, you know, I, I don't mm. know, have more. T- I think when you get, when you regain energy and you're healthier, then you have more time. So that's, that's my tactic at the moment. Um, do you know, one of the things, Margaret, I'd love to come on is one of your retreats to India. Um, that looks amazing, the photography retreats. I would really fancy that. I reckon I would get loads if I came there. So maybe in a couple of years. Yeah, that would be great. Join me in India. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to to speak with me. It's lovely. It's been lovely to to catch up with you. It's been um we've we've known each other i was just trying to think i was going to say i was going to say how many years but i don't think i'm going to say that i'm going to say we were 19 weren't we (laughs) we were 19 and i was what what was so amazing margaret is um yeah we've always we've always stayed friends but there's been times haven't there again silences i think where um you know we've had things going on and we you know we've got the distance now as well haven't we with you in scotland um, but what was so amazing this summer was to kind of like meet you in the flesh again and um, just you're just so inspiring to other creative women I think by you know the fact that you are making your creativity your main focus of your life and um, and it's blossoming and it's wonderful so um, oh, thank you yeah thank you. it's great you know you're, re- you're really helping me just by just by being alive <laughs> and doing what you do and and support you know the you know the idea is to then support and inspire you and then you'll support and inspire others and then it'll just go around in a circle and it'll, it'll yeah. all be great it does it feeds doesn't it it feeds everyone no it's great thank you so much it's been wonderful to chat thanks for listening today i'm truly grateful for you taking the time out to listen in If you feel inspired in any way, I'd really appreciate it if you could share or review the show. You can also share it on Instagram and tag me or reach out with any thoughts. I'm at Margaret Soraya and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.